back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for June 8th, 2020, featuring poet Emily Hunt leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic, usually held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. During coronavirus times, we are hosting the Yop virtually on Zoom. For more information and to sign up for the next Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Shanice Hughes Greenberg, Tawanga Leslie, Rita A. Simmons, R. Bremner, Kendall Thomas, Laura Tucker, Todd Friedman, Lila Rudishauser, Jay Eason, Harvey Sauce, Tamara Lee, Anna Lamontis Salisbury, Gerald Wagoner, Bonnie Belay, V. Suburbia, Judy Schneier, Arthur Russell, Dante Clark, Robin Romeo, Kyle Brosnahan, Shayla Zorn, and last but not least, Kyle Leung. So let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for June. Enjoy. Okay, everyone, uh, we are back for the open mic. Um, sorry, I'm distracted as I'm looking at incoming text messages by other staff members. Uh, if you are just joining us now and missed the workshop, uh, I am Jason Koo, Executive Director of Brooklyn Poets and your MC for the open mic. Uh, I tried quickly to convert all of the open mic readers to panelists. If you have not been converted yet, uh, you could reach out to Kindle Thomas and she will help you with that. Or if she can't do it, I'll try to get to it when I have a free moment. Um, I want to remind you, or not just not remind you, but actually thank you for uh, joining us tonight, because if you've joining, joined us tonight, that means you have donated to our donation drive uh, for a few different organizations. Uh, and I would like to screen share again right now so that I can share where you might, in fact, donate more, should, be so, should you be so inclined. Um, one of the organizations is, of course, well-known Black Lives Matter, which I'm sure many of you have already donated to, uh, if not uh, recently in the past. Uh, they're doing great work. In fact, they've <laughs> started this whole movement that only now has been finally uh, accepted by the world at large. Uh, this is their website right here. And uh, you can read, if you haven't seen this website already, uh, I definitely encourage you to do that. In fact, like pretty much right now, uh, even if you don't donate, you should definitely check them out and see how you might get involved. Uh, another organization that is not uh, as well known, but that is local here in Brooklyn, that is led by Jed Marcus, who is the husband of one of our teachers, Jessica Greenbaum. Uh, I keep getting these messages. My connection is not private. I don't know what that means. I'm just going to try not to be too alarmed by that. But this is an amazing organization that is centered in the Fort Greene and Clinton Hill neighborhoods of Brooklyn. And they're doing a lot of different things to break down inequality uh, in those particular neighborhoods and, and I think ramifying out from that in the Brooklyn area. And one of the things that they're doing right now is delivering food 
and personal protective equipment to over a thousand uh, seniors in those neighborhoods, predominantly African-American seniors. Um, and uh, lately, one of the things they've done uh, that we've helped them out with is including a poem by a contemporary poet along with the groceries and personal protective equipment that they are delivering. And some of the poets whose work they've uh, shared are J.P. Howard, one of our teachers, along Candace Williams, another one of our teachers, uh, Rick Barrett, who read for the Brooklyn Poets Reading Series. Uh, I think that was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they just included a poem by Ross Gay, who many of you probably know and love. Uh, so they're doing amazing work. Not a lot of people know about them. I encourage you uh, either to donate or see how you might get involved. Uh, they are always looking for volunteers. So I encourage you to check out their website. And of course, we are continuing to donate to our longtime venue partner, 61 Local, who uh, I really sincerely hope is able to reopen soon. Um, they have been collecting donations to keep their staff members going during this time that they've been closed. You see they've had this $25,000 goal. Uh, we've donated to them several times over the last couple of YOPs. I think by now we've donated over twelve dollars or $1,300 just ourselves. Uh, but you can see they're well short of their goal. Uh, they are an amazing community partner. They are really the reason why we've been able to do the op since April of 2013 by uh, renting us their amazing private event space upstairs in their bar for just $50 a month. And if you've ever put on an event or just wanted to, <laughs> you know how expensive event rental or venue rental is in New York City. Uh, often uh, bars or restaurants or whatever will try to gouge you with their rental fees, usually charging over a thousand dollars. And I've worked, with, I've collaborated with a lot of venue partner, partners who, in the beginning, offered us a space for free because they wanted us to bring in uh, people from the community, and then just after a couple of events, started charging a thousand dollars or more. So uh, that is disgusting. <laughs> and 61 local, I am happy to say, is not one of those people, and they very easily could have done that at any point, but they were happy to bring us into their space and support what we were doing. So uh, we have been wanting to uh, uh, support them back while they can't uh, open their doors. So hopefully they'll be able to do open their doors soon. Hopefully we'll be able to meet in person at some point this year. If not, we'll just continue to support them this way. So I hope you will join us in doing that. Uh, to go over some of the ground rules for the open mic, uh, especially for those of you who are new to the open mic, either as readers or as uh, just audience members. Uh, every poet on the open mic list gets three minutes max, just one poem. Uh, we would love, of course, to be able to give you more time and allow you to read more poems, but uh, we might be here forever. Uh, and we are trying to get as many poets uh, reading as possible in the limited time that we have. We record the open mic every month as a podcast that we call the Yopcast, and that's one of the reasons why we limit the duration so that the podcast doesn't go on forever. Uh, if you've listened to podcasts, as I'm sure most, if not all of you do, you know that uh, you probably don't listen to many podcasts that go on for more than like an hour and a half. Uh, so usually that's what the podcast is about in length. Um, so if you are reading tonight, uh, we ask that you keep to your time. Uh, it's a little bit easier to control uh, doing it virtually because we will be screen sharing um, the documents or the, sorry, the poem text by each of the poets. Uh, so we've been able to see uh, in advance how long the poems are. Uh, we welcome you as audience members or as fellow readers to share your praise and uh, any other kind of comments you want to share in the chat. Uh, 
any other comments I should say except for hateful or abusive comments. <laughs> if we see that kind of shit, you will uh, be immediately ejected from our webinar, and we give no fucks about your abuse. So if you are planning to do that, even just as a joke or a prank, uh, we will not stand for it. Um, Luckily, we've never had to deal with that shit because, uh, I don't know, just by design or just by the beauty of all you people, uh, we haven't had to deal with any of that. So I hope that continues uh, through this event and many more in our future. Uh, every month, we vote for Poem of the Month. Uh, and you can do that very simply uh, by texting me at 718-374-1953. I'm writing my number into the chat right now. Uh, I ask that you wait until the end of the open mic after you've uh, heard all of the poets to vote for the poet. All you have to do to vote is just give me the poet's name. Uh, and that is enough. And the 12 winners of poem of the month over the course of the year, uh, face off at our poem of the year smackdown at the end of the year in December. Again, hopefully we will be able to do that in person. Uh, but if not, we'll do it virtually. And at that event, uh, by audience vote, we determine the poet who won poem of the year. And sometimes, in fact, the last two years, that's been uh, a set of co-winners. So um, we have a couple of former winners of poem of the month uh, reading tonight, uh, or just in the audience. So it's exciting to see that. Uh, you can vote for whoever you like. Uh, you can't vote for Emily Hunt, or you could, but it just won't be counted. <laughs> because uh, Emily Hunt is our feature reader tonight and is not part of the open mic lineup proper. You could vote for someone that's not reading. That also just would be fun, but not actually count towards anything. Uh, but you do with your vote what you want to do. I don't want to take the vote away from you. Um, you could vote for like Shakespeare <laughs> or June Jordan. And I would also uh, be excited to see that, but it wouldn't actually make a difference in the poem of the month vote. Um, I believe that is all. Oh, just one last thing. If you don't want to be on the podcast, uh, you don't have to be. Just uh, You can just uh, chat, send me a chat message privately or just email me at ku at brokenpoets.org. I can take you off the recording, no problem. Uh, there might be many reasons why you don't want to be in the recording. Maybe the poem's private. Maybe uh, you want to work on it a little bit. You don't want it to be shared. Uh, all of that is, of course, completely legitimate. And all, all you have to do is tell me, and I will take you off the recording. Um, Okay, I think that is all. I, I, I both love and hate doing these announcements, so I am ready to move on and hear some amazing poems. So again, before we get to the open mic lineup proper, we are going to hear from our featured reader tonight, that is Emily Hunt. So give it up virtually for Emily Hunt. Thank you guys, thanks Jason. Um, great. So, yeah, I'm just going to read um, a couple poems. Um, the first poem is called Little Money. And I've never read with my poems on a screen at the same time. So this is a new experience. I guess I don't need this paper, actually. So I'll just read directly from the screen. Okay. Um, Little money. Fried at Whole Foods, I buy Lara flowers. Scan the cheap ones and choose a better bunch. Alone green petal curls, a new rule deeper down. The poison lily, milky, alive as ever, holding water. Stars, I love them leaning near, held up there. 
royals absorbing food. I love to spend my money on a flower, get sucked in while she sleeps, cut its yellow light with a knife, feeling bigger, slide it in among the others. I love to lie like this against the limit, browsing the bright basement, to spend beyond cold and whole, to glide little on the elevator, avoiding grime, carrying them, returning home. I fill a dimming room with a flower when I enter, a sturdy one, the sun, the little fuzz it has, lit, dying like that, any ageless day, but it's this one, slow, rootless as a cloud, and harder, an odd house for the calico, shoving her splotched head into their new water, her different beauty, closing space in secret. I love to fake my freedom, so my balance shrinks like water drying. It's my revenge, obviously. I love a flower in my face, breathing past the shadows of its freakish traits. Um, and then the next is actually an excerpt from a very long poem called Company that was published as a chapbook um, last year. And uh, this section actually is much shorter in the chapbook and then I find myself returning to it and just continuing to work on it. So it's expanded. Um, so this is just one section of like a 30 page poem. And it's um, written in response to uh, this job I had as a new resident in the Bay Area working basically on an assembly line, minimum wage at a flower delivery startup. So it was um, a kind of like repetitive labor with flowers. Um, so that comes through in the poem in different ways. Um, okay. <clears throat> There's something about a person at home midday receiving an order, not hearing their voice from the van. The tulips handed over, silent, yellow and green, leaving their long history in the warehouse, the truck, the days when their young stems were rooted in rows or waves, deep held and changing in the dirt entirely not seeing the customer's face really, a blur of hair or half an arm as I wait outside their home, holding my phone. My coworker making her way back to me, the only one walking for miles, the moving sea mute. It's when I'm alone in the white van and I dip just briefly back into my privacy I feel most new to the city. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's not even it. Well, I can <laughs> get stop out of the there. way again. I think that might have been three minutes. I can stop there. <laughs> you can continue if you want. You just have this page here, don't you? Okay, sure. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So this is another section from the same long poem. 
when I come across flowers at people's apartments in cloudy water or for sale by the liquor store, divided by type into the same dinged buckets we stack by the entrance and roll on cold carts to the trucks. I resist picking them up like they're mine, plucking bad petals from them. Those that lean out from the center, open to workers and wind passing over, as separate as they are attached, gathered outside the lit interior, wrapped in paper and grown from thin air. These are especially tempting. The sound of the action, this pull from the stalk away from the style is nearly mute, but briefly satisfying. That's it. Thank you guys. Okay. Thank you. Sorry again for interrupting your poem. So oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I had said two. So. <laughs> Um, I love Emily's work. I particularly love the, the patience of the work. I feel like you can see it here, not only in the work itself, the poems, but uh, in, in the workshop she led earlier. It's a, it's, a, it's a quality that I would say is missing in general in the world today, patience, uh, as we are, we are all, I think, stoked to impatience uh, by social media. And perhaps that quality has gotten worse because of the pandemic. Uh, but uh, it's something I especially prize in, in human beings in general, but especially in poets. So I uh, just want to say, Emily, I appreciate that. And you, uh, Thanks, this, this slow attention to detail and uh, being itself. Um, yes. Uh, our next poet, or the first poet uh, reading for our open mic, is Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, a former Broken Poets Retreat Fellow. Unfortunately, we are not uh, meeting in the Hamptons this month, uh, but we are staying safe. Shanice, how are you doing? Hey, um, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay today. That's, that's an honest answer. Yeah, I feel you. All right, go for it. Well, um, do I need to read my bio or just read the poem? No, you can just read the poem. Cool. <laughs> you could read the bio if you want. No, that's okay. Um, I just want to say that this is a poem about obviously my grandfather. Um, I believe I read it at the retreat last year, and I just felt um, I wanted to honor him in this moment. So, August 19th, 1970. My grandfather was in the Navy. I regret not learning more about his service time, about being a black man defending a country refusing to defend you. A portrait sat near the steps, him in his uniform. In this photo, he photographs the waves as someone photographs him. Not my grandmother, maybe my uncle. I think my mother was born too late, too little to hold a camera standing among the rocks. My grandfather photographs the waves and I did the same when I went to the West Coast. Do the same, similar. He wears a white jacket I never saw, dark gray pants, faces the ocean and not us. The camera used to take this photo is now mine, claimed. What happened in 1970? The Hughes family took a trip out west and photographed the ocean, a mark on the family timeline, a minor event, 
I know it was the West Coast because a child, now an adult, wrote August 19th, 1970, my daddy and the Pacific Ocean on the back of the Polaroid. Did they know Polaroid wouldn't exist? Erosion eats away this landscape, shoreline. There's no green in the photo. Gray, black, blue, pale blue, ocean water blue, foam on the waves. This is a man who traveled, who knew both coasts. When he died, we buried him at the military cemetery and at the wake, men his age played taps and I didn't cry, or I did and I don't remember. We went to San Francisco when I was in kindergarten, my first time on a plane and I sat in first class. When you are young, you don't think to remember and your time is managed by older hands. That we were on the West Coast together is important to remember. That we shared airspace there and back, that I was five or six and we drove down the winding street, that we both photographed the waves in different weather, that the waves were blue and the foam spread across the surface and maybe it was the same water, but can water last that many years? Thank you. Wow, that was amazing. Thank you, Shanice. Um, God, I just love this line, these, this little sentence in particular, I just wanna highlight this for a second. When you are young, you don't think to remember and your time is managed by older hands. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It's a, a great way to start. Um, it's good to hear your voice again, just in general, but especially reading this poem. Um, okay, our next poet, uh, former winner of Poem of the Month, in fact, uh, I believe, Kalanga won uh, a couple of months ago, our first virtual yacht. So uh, Kalanga Leslie is back, how are you? I am actually good today, I'm gonna live with that. I'm glad, <laughs> thank you. All right, go for it. All right. Genesis. Most people think that nothing can come of this. We are not built to bring forth life. There is no fruit to multiply. And easy deaths await every seed scattered in this soil. They see two men toiling over barren ground and think, how tragic. Yes, I am familiar with the laws of man and God and nature, heat is lost and entropy only increases in a system. Despite the perfect hour I'm spending loving you this Sunday morning, not one extra second will be added to the doomsday clock. Yet, I have the faith of a mustard seed and more, for I have glimpsed the golden spindle of your soul whirling without friction, defying the laws of motion, shining in the darkness, flashing out a song in life. Ah, yes, I have grasped joy by the earlobes. She whispered something to me before wriggling away. Sweetheart, there is no answer because there is no question. But mm. what a wonderful joke it is. So I laugh a gurgled murmur that you feel before you hear it as you come spilling into me. 
Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Joyous ending and uh, great lines about joy right here. Although I feel like when I've been pulled by my earlobes, it doesn't usually feel good. So I'm also like a little bit worried for joy there. <laughs> but uh, it's a great line. <laughs> a gentle tie. <laughs> yeah. And didn't you just uh, graduate uh, or, or something from law school or pass the bar? There was some good yes, news that you had. I am an attorney now. Yes. yes. <laughs> so now I know who to call <laughs> when I need help. Uh, but uh, I know you're going to be out there fighting a good fight. So uh, thank you, Tawanga. That was beautiful. Uh, and uh, we will carry forward to our next poet. We heard from earlier during the end of the workshop, the sharing portion, Rita A. Simmons. How are you, Rita? Hi, I'm fine. Great. Um, I'm going to uh, read a poem from my book, uh, souls in the city. This poem is called Consolation for Glenda Moore. And Glenda Moore was a woman who lost her two young children in the floodwaters of Hurricane Sandy. Washed away in waves, I let my children go. All my hope, my heart, my soul, my life was in my grasp as if a hand could hold what nature on demand explodes too much, too soon, too fast. I cannot close the gaping gap. I will not be consoled. These waves that crash and crush and slap and slit my every nerve, this stinging salt, this sandy surge is all my fault. How could it be? I will not be consoled. My baby's body's reft of soul. I cannot help but love what's lost, carried off the cost, the cost. My past is present, throbbing penance. I let my children go. I will not be consoled until with elevated reach, my children wake in glowing tide to open wide and welcome me. Okay, thank you, Rita. I love this refusal of consolation. It's a very uh, poet thing to do. I refuse <laughs> your consolation. Uh, so, Rita, you just had a book launch recently, yes? Yes. And uh, can you hold up your book again so everyone gets uh, a good look well, at it? The, the other book launch, hang on. It's not that one. It's another one. <laughs> Wait. And what is the book called? This one is called Convicted by Mercy. Can you see it? Uh, I can see the image, yes. Can't see it's, the title. I don't know if it's at the bottom or something. It's about um, my late husband's story. Okay, great. It's, yes. And so can people find it if they... On, on Amazon, yeah. Convicted by... They could go to my website, RitaASimmons.com, and all my books are on there. And this okay. one has... Uh, it's, it's, it's a story, but it's also uh, peppered with poetry, so... Peppered with poetry. <laughs> uh, a good spice. Um, I would uh, maybe put your website URL in the chat. People could check it out if they want. Okay. Uh, congrats Great. on the book launch. Thank you so much. And thank you for this poem. Thank you. Uh, we are on to our next poet, who I believe is a Yop debuter. Uh, hopefully I pronounce this last name right. Is it R. Bremner? 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, no, you're right. It's a Scottish name. Uh, I'm half Scottish, half Italian. R. Bremner, B-R-E-M-N-E-R. Okay, uh, welcome. Everybody knows it in Scotland, but nobody knows it in the U.S. And, and, and Ron's from New Jersey. Oh, one of the Jersey one of us. Like Frank Rubino, who you had before. You're infiltrating. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, okay, I'm going to read uh, something that I just wrote recently. Uh, I debuted it at uh, Matthew Hubbard's Zoom, and it got a resounding thumbs down. So I'm going to get uh, uh, give it a second chance. You'll, you'll see why. Innocence and despair bait each other frequently. They kiss like their lives depend on it. You think this should not be happening, but it is. You think this should not be beautiful, but it is. Random samples of Caucasian guilt and children's laughter are bleeding from cuts in your carcass. Only yesterday, the time was ripe for the disposal of solitude, trouble, and the meaning of life. You don't know if now is the right time for whistleblowing, so you dispose of the whistle before it causes trouble for your solitude and the meaning of life. Meanwhile, innocence and despair are on a date and kissing like their lives depend on it. That's it. Okay. Thank you, Ron. Is it okay if I call you Ron? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to picture this image. Uh, well, I'm trying to make an image in my head for innocence and, innocence and despair kissing like their lives depend on it. <laughs> Uh, it's an interesting uh, idea. Uh, hopefully, all of you give that thumbs up. That was an interesting introduction to that poem. I don't think I've ever heard a poet introduce their poem in quite that fashion. Uh, very bold. I appreciate that. Um, okay. Thank you, Ron. Our next poet is uh, our own Kendall Thomas, uh, who uh, all of you should be indebted to for putting together this beautiful poem document. Uh, Raised in Texas, now based in Brooklyn, uh, currently occupying a brand new apartment with her fiance. How are you doing, Kendall? Okay. How are you? You know how I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when I first decided to read tonight, I was kind of worried that like people or society or whatever was going to expect me to have this like perfect statement on how I feel right now as a black person and a black poet. But then I decided like, fuck that. I don't have that and I don't owe anyone that unless I'm ready to share it. So instead I'm gonna read this poem about being naked with a stranger in a fitting room. So this is called, <laughs> here comes another one. Here comes another one. No date and lots of opinions. This one wants a dress that's different. Unlike the ones her guests have seen before. Just like each bride I've seen before. And oh, of course she wore a thong. She must know how I love grazing strange, unwarranted ass cheeks as I shove spare pieces of white cloth between gaping sample seams. It's not the best or the worst butt I've seen today. Her bra is distracting from the dress, she says, so I invite her to remove it, just as she expects me to. And yet she tries to cover her newly exposed breasts, 
standing with each arm pasted to a nipple, hands in a knot in front of her underwear like a palace guard attempting to warm their chilly hands. Of course I notice, but I don't let her notice me noticing. No one's really supposed to notice anything back here in this interim space, blushing between body and bride. Thanks. Damn good. <laughs> uh, I feel like by the time you're done with your, your wedding, you'll have completely reinvented <laughs> what this whole experience is supposedly supposed to be like. Um, I just have to highlight this. I feel like this phrase just made my, my year. <laughs> Strange, unwarranted ass cheeks. Uh, I feel like I'm going to hear that echoing in my head, in my subconscious tonight. Yeah, it's an amazing phrase. <laughs> um, what an interesting moment you've captured here. Um, thank you. You're absolutely right. It is not your job to make a statement for all black poets everywhere. I hate it when people think that that is the case. Uh, thank you for saying that. Um, our next poet is one and only Laura Renee Tucker, former winner of Poem of the Month, I think last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. How are you, Laura? I am uh, fine. Oh, goodness. I'm out here in Sag Harbor wishing I was back in good old Brooklyn. <laughs> but it's nice in good old Sag Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds nice. Um, I just want to say, Jason, thank you. Thank you for keeping these going. Thank you with all your friends and comrades that are keeping this going because um, it's very important to be connected, especially through this time, and to be connected with like, like minds and like hearts. And that's very important. Well, I have to say, um, Kendall, I was enraged and I felt so angry that I was going to run up and down the high, Montauk Highway naked, so I decided to write this. Um, and it's called Breaking News. It's um, a hybrid high bun. If you know what a high bun, I have to thank J.P. Howard for teaching me. But sometimes I can't follow the rules, so I called it a hybrid. Breaking news. Corruption caught by a tricks and tweets. Section 8 subsidized White House with grifters eating emoluments, entitlement. Step down the block for photo op while trampling the First Amendment. I can't breathe. Breaking news, battered beans herded away to die. Plagued citizens stopped because of suspicions, jogging on their lawn of the free, home of the beige. You're not welcome here, but sorry for your loss. I, I can't breathe. Breaking news, banks and businesses readjusting their feed bags, eating up ma and pa's dinner, diner. The bombastic walk Wall Street without masks, playing craps with our paychecks, health and retirement. Snake eyes, millions lose jobs. Forget about, have some Corona V instead. Ah, refreshing. Please, your knee in my neck. I can't breathe, shit. Breaking news. Nations within this nation suffering more than states. Neighborhoods where superheroes live without capes and masks, with titles like nursing assistants, stockroom clerks, letter carriers, maintenance workers, the world marching with masks, but you can't socially distance when you're zip-tied. I'm about to die. Breaking news. Life slipping away goes viral through surviving virus that snatches Africans. 
I mean, sorry. When life slipping away goes viral, those surviving virus that snatches Africans. Whites with red necklaces play cowboys, Indians, and others. You choose between Kaepernick's knees or oppressive knees pressed on neck. This time, angel wings cost $20 a pair. No refund. Please let me stand. Breaking news. Like photos with strange fruit and white folks in sepia, they document occasions for prosperity with smartphones. Celebrate domination over unnamed handcuffed men. They lynch horizontally now. Don't, you don't even need a tree. Ready for your close-up? Look, Ma, no hand. Mama, Mama, I can't. Breaking news. Monarch butterflies still cross the southern border without a visa. Back to you, America. Amen. Thank you, Laura. That was incredible. Uh, first, I was just sort of enjoying it aesthetically, and then it just became more and more heartbreaking, and I was not smiling by the end, but <laughs> that had nothing to do with your poem, which is amazing. Uh, this line in particular haunts me. Um, yeah. How are the folks of Sag Harbor? <laughs> that must be kind of surreal being out there right now. Well, you know what's amazing? They, um, Bridge Hampton, there was a protest. It was over a thousand people. And oh. there are not many blacks out here, so you, yeah. know, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, it's great to have allies. And um, whatever level, wherever they are in their allyhood is cool with me. Right. You know, because I think that tra transformation takes time and change is not easy. Absolutely. Thank you for this poem, Laura. It's great to have you back you. on this open mic. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Our next poet. I always introduce him as one of the poets laureate of Sunset Park. How are you, Todd Friedman? I'm okay. How are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there as best I can. Okay. Um, I just want to say that some time ago, I went to the... 42nd Street Library, where they have a genealogy division, and um, I gave a librarian there some information about a long-lost relative, and he came up with a New York Times article, and I, I was remiss. I, I never really thanked him, and I lost his name, I lost his email, and I wish I could thank him because he is the one who help me start this poem. Anyway, this is for Meyer Lipschitz, 1866 through 1895. Spring panicked, you and your brother bolt up the stairs two at a time, the flames racing up behind you, chasing you from the second floor where you have your tailor shop. The blaze comes shooting up from the basement where a vat of wax has bubbled over in the candle factory. Lewis is an athlete, and he twists his body around the fifth floor cornice and drops to the roof of the adjoining building, two stories below, while the fire escapes fill up with men screaming for help. A friend tries to restrain you while the firemen set up their net, but Lewis is motioning wildly and nothing can hold you back. Just another Jewish immigrant 
from Russia on the Lower East Side. Just another tailor saving money to bring his family across in steerage. But you were my great-grandfather's brother. I knew my great-grandfather, and you might have been part of my childhood too. Meanwhile, your wife was waiting in a shtetl near Minsk, hoping to come over within the year with your three daughters, the youngest just six weeks old. You had never seen her. I went looking for you, Meyer, on Clinton Street off Delancey to see if some part of you still lingered there. The building had been gutted and rehabbed, and now there were apartments with parquet floors and marble bathrooms where you and the others once labored, but the outside looked original. And I wondered if I was looking up at your fire escape. I saw the squat building next door where Lewis had landed, and I wished that someone could have told me more of his story. I couldn't track anyone down, but I found you in the Washington Cemetery out in Brooklyn. The gravestones were all crowded together like the tenements on the Lower East Side. It must have been easier to breathe when you first came out here. Yours was just a small white marker dwarfed by the massive stones around it. I cleared away the tall weeds, and kneeling down, I put my arm around your headstone. God knows how long you'd been alone. Hey, thank you, Todd. Beautiful again. You seem to have been writing uh, a lot of poems about cemeteries lately. Has that, uh, <laughs> has that been a conscious choice? <laughs> uh, uh. Were you even aware of that? <laughs> I'm sure you were. I was aware of it, yes. Yeah. I love this line about putting your arm around the headstone. It's an amazing image. Um, it also occurs to me hearing this, I, I just love the word shtetl. <laughs> can, I just, can I admit that? I don't know why that word appeals to me so much, but uh, I love that word shtetl. I wish I could just, I mean, I could, if I, I, could I was going to say, I wish I could say that like a hundred times and I can certainly do that when I'm uh, by uh, myself after this event. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Todd, for uh, uh, Shtetl and the poem, the poem as a whole. Uh, our next poet, uh, one of my former Brooklyn Poets students, uh, a young, uh, very precocious talent, uh, writing poems beyond her years. Uh, uh, how are you, Lila? I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> you seem comfortable. Yes, I always. I'm always in my bed for these. Young <laughs> That's the way to do it. All mm -hmm. right, go for it. All right, thank you. Doll's house. My mom is crying, huddled on the ground. I gaze down and purse my lips, blink hard. The kitchen floor is smooth with waxy slats of pine, lined in merciless rows so rude to refuse to open their mouths for me to slip beyond their wooden teeth and glide down tongues if only to be so far from here. She slumps beneath my arm big gasps because that damn dollhouse, that damn dollhouse which I don't give a damn about, so sorry she shudders for shingles she lined and glued and painted soft brown. I wanted bright blue, my friends had blue, 
before I learned that pastel hues are more demure and last. I think how strange that now these roles reverse. Her skin's grown frail as a goat's underbelly, and mine is toughened outside in. I sit like a walnut. She cries, I crack. My fingers red from ruler wraps. She lacquered the, the knuckle snaps of wood brushed like kisses across my skin. Worship I have learned, unlearned that she clutches in secret. Denied, denied she wants me blue, but then she balks when I am crass and bristles to hear my goddamn motherfucker shit bitch fuck. I'm not a lady, mom. You wish I was. My roof sprouts joyous unshackled in mosses and leaves. I tried to lay it straight, it's caving in. I tried to tack the shingles on, they fall. You dress me up with rosy cheeks, I squirm. All right, goddamn motherfucker shit, bitch, fuck. <laughs> that was great. Uh, is your mom downstairs? Uh, she's behind a closed door. <laughs> Does she know you're reading this poem? No. Oh, that, that's great. I love an active poetic insurrection in your own house. <laughs> uh, Lila wrote this for my blank verse workshop, uh, so I feel especially prideful about this poem. Uh, there's just a, there's a tenacity in these sounds that I adore. Um, thank you for this work. Hopefully one day your mom will appreciate <laughs> Uh, lines like goddamn motherfucker shit bitch fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, Kiara earlier during the workshop was uh, <laughs> I think ironically praising me for uh, contributing swear words to the chat uh, which of course I said is my job but uh, I thank you Lila for backing me up live with a poem. You can indeed swear in poems. I hate people that say that you can't swear in poems. Do you know how filthy Shakespeare's mouth was, for God's sakes? <laughs> or Chaucer? Uh, we don't think of them as filthy mouth poets because uh, their language seems so old now, but I, I assure you, those two had the dirtiest mouths of any poets uh, who ever wrote in English. So uh, you should by all means feel that you can use that language. Our next poet, our own Jay Eason, uh, Eason. I think it's Eason, yes. I don't know why I just said Eason. Uh, how are you, Jay? I'm okay, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Seems like a ridiculous question these days. Is it Eason or Eason, by the way? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Eason. Eason, yeah. yeah. All right, Jay Eason, go for it. Uh, I guess just go for it to say, um, I guess it's been brought to the forefront how racist Long Island is. And I, being from Long Island, um, this kind of is a poem that I wrote a while ago about kind of how that affected me and the way that I speak these days. Okay. So, Autopsy of Abonics. They rip her tongue from her lips, cut across through the middle, and tell her, Jesus lives here now. Blood pools in her mouth as the crucifix percolates. Crimson coagulates in her throat, choking on their words, making her forget her own. The Lord's prayer wraps around her teeth. Our Father, who art in heaven, baptizes her shackles, 
hallowed by thy name, kisses the tip of the whip, thy kingdom come. Scar tissue destines her tongue and she learns to swallow the blood. Our language survives at a crossroads. Tongues can only dance freely in close spaces as we flip our speech across right and wrong. He silences my speech. Not allowed to be ignorant in these halls. My black tongue fights against their syllables, holds my tongue until my axes turn into his ask. Our words don't have a place here. I cut my tongue in half. Now I'm struggling to lap up what I've lost. Wow, thank you, Jay. That was amazing. Uh, these lines in particular just kill me here. Scar tissue distance her tongue and she learns to swallow the blood. Um, you just put together a protest out in Long Island, did you not? I did. How did that go? It went really well. It um, brought my community together. So I saw a ton of people that I haven't seen since high school and people from the community, which is predominantly black. They joined on the, on the street and it was exactly what my sister and I wanted. So I couldn't have asked for anything more. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and thank you. To, thank you for doing that. Of course. Uh, thank you and your sister. Um, okay. Thank you. Moving right along, our next poet is Harvey Sauce, who many of you know runs a, an open mic at the Montauk Club, which he will tell you all about, I am sure. How are you, Harvey? At this point, I'm running a virtual open mic bi-monthly uh, with a Montauk Club background, as you can see behind me, uh, since the club is closed. Um, and we have people coming from as far away as like Dublin. Um, you're all invited. I, I tried to paste into the chat there an invitation to our next open mic, uh, which is on June 20th at 4 p.m. Uh, and it should have the, the Zoom link in there that you can copy or print out or however it's done. Um, and uh, you're certainly welcome to come. We, we try and be fairly generous in, in the time that we give. Occasionally we have features, occasionally we don't. Uh, but it seems like, you know, it's been a, a pretty good way to pass a, a Saturday late afternoon. So uh, please feel free to come join us if you can't make it on the 20th. Again, it's pretty much every two weeks thereafter. Uh, this poem, just a couple of notes on it. Margaret Hamilton was the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Um, I think there's a reference in here in, to... Uh, Boadicea, who was uh, a British queen, an English queen uh, in the first century who led a revolt against the, um, a short-lived revolt against the Romans, uh, trying to kick them out of England um, after uh, Romans had uh, apparently raped both of her daughters uh, and uh, tortured her. So uh, there's a reference to that in here. Griselda. We never learned the name of Margaret Hamilton's character in 1939's The Wizard of Oz. We're left to guess at it. We know less of her than we do about her castle with two broom garage priced for quick sale. Our knowledge confined to her nonpareil 
wickedness. Perhaps it was her name that she strained to spell, grr as she sluiced spellbindingly into the floor drain. Yes? No? I think so. Leaving behind schleppers, if not the red pair, she wickedly coveted. One standard issue, evil doing black hat. And lastly, a bewitchingly black dress. Story has it that Maggie wanted the role of Goody Two-Shoes Glenda, that it was her toe-tapping impatience at the cattle call and general head-to-foot bitchiness that got her hired at all. The director must have spotted in her some sort of norms-melting quality to justify her callback. Still, better a witch, evil or no, than a flying monkey. What other actress could have so reduced herself from Boadician bitch queen to temptress of water in such fluid fashion, a death scene her contemporaries would have killed for? While most people root for Dorothy as a positive role model for children and chain store shoe salesmen, I confess to being taken by Margaret's character, Griselda, I call her, who leaves behind not so much as a bloodstain, with lapdog Toto running loose during retakes, free to lap up her liquid remains. That's that. Come join okay. us Wood on the 20th. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Harvey. Um, I have to say, someone who's been doing a lot of house shopping lately upstate, <laughs> two, broom, two broom garage uh, is something that I have not been looking for, but uh, maybe it's something that I should be looking for. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I shared that with all of you, but I just I like that phrase, two broom garage. Um, our next poet is Tamara Lee, another former Poem of the Month winner from back in the day. How are you, Tamara? Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, re I really have gone back and forth about if I should be contributing anything at all and uh, if I have anything to say right now. And when I was protesting the other day, I remembered this poem I wrote a few years ago and I realized it was written about different shit, but it's the same shit sadly. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll share it. Uh, I don't know if I should content warning it. It's, I think, a little bit violent, like the topic. So, um, okay, here it goes. Terrorist. What do we mean when we say terrorist, do we mean a violent act? Do we mean multiple victims? What is the difference between terrorist and psychopath? Is the issue white and black? Would a coded narrative more rapidly qualify if a Muslim suspect was identified? What furious actions will earn the title of terror? Does it matter if he collaborated or is it safer to call a wolf alone? What if he mailed explosives to someone's home? What if he drove his vehicle into a crowd? Or is it more appropriate to open fire on a church or a school? 
or are we more concerned with questioning his tools? What if he were armed with a badge in blue? Would it matter if he first took an oath to protect and serve our youth? Or does using guns just make him more commonly American? Does the name we give to our rifles downgrade a murder to assault? Or do religious motivations count? What if he opened fires on a pulsing den of male sex and sin? Would his weapon then be God approved? Or we do, do we need to know first whose God he's praying to? What if he brought special training to the job? What if he learned his skills in Iraq or Vietnam? Does it matter who trained him uh, when his mission had begun? Or is it our mistake if he were once our hero, now unhung, unsung? Do we blame a purchased government and task them with our cause? Or does it stop being a crime when sanctioned by those that make the laws? And before we named it terror, do we need to know who's being terrorized? When a swastika branded driver, sorry, swastika branded driver runs over Antifa, is that aggression on both sides? When police bring tanks into our neighborhoods, is that the military force required to protect and serve our freedoms? Or are we more interested in preserving our age-old systems, cuddle our privileged in our businesses with our thoughts and prayers? Do we need to start measuring up the, the victims' lives? And if those that died were less than human in our eyes, could we sanction our weapons with a standard hunting license? <sighs> Listen, I don't mean to be trite. Of course, I'm bothered by what I'm seeing, but I'm more concerned for my amendment rights. Last night, I ate a plate of fear for dinner while I consumed the evening news. Now I'm feeling very strongly that one thing must be true. These people are armed and dangerous, so I'll stand my ground and double down in the systems that I trust. I have good intentions and righteous motives behind the guns I'd own. And if there's anything for certain that I know, it's that I'm the one that can never be named a terrorist. Okay, thank you, Tamara. How are you feeling now? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm upset. I hope, I, hope, I hope my poem wasn't experienced uh, impacted negatively to anybody. But um, Jason and, and all the people here, I really appreciate uh, this community and this network and, and the sharing of thoughts and um, it's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I like that you construct the poem as question after question after question. I feel like that's really the, the best thing that we can do at this point, there really are no answers. <laughs> Maybe that's too cynical. There are few answers and many questions. Uh, but you're right in saying that it's uh, different shit that's the same old shit. <laughs> and that's probably always going to be the case, sadly. Uh, thank you, Tamara. Our next poet is the one and only Anna Lamontas Salisbury. Am I saying your last name correctly, Anna? Yes, it's, uh, it's Lamontas. Lamontas, that sounds better. Lamontas Salisbury, <laughs> sounds distinguished. <laughs> All right, go for it. Okay, um, so on the screen you have Mothers 2. I was thinking I would like to read the second one. I don't know if it's like too long. 
to fit Not the at all. Go in. for it. Okay. You, this one, right? Some mother's three? Yes. Okay. So this is from a, well, it's three. It's a series of, of something that I'm working on. I'm not quite sure what, but this is where I'm going. Some mothers, three. Some. Some mothers. Some mothers are black. Some mothers are black and. Some mothers are black and blue. Some mothers are black and blue on. Some mothers are black and blue on the. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back there. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury. And some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury and rage. And some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury and rage and acid some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury and rage and acid reflux. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury and rage and acid reflux drifting. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury and rage and acid reflux drifting down. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury and rage and acid reflux drifting down their throats. Some mothers are black and blue on the outside and inside and have to choke back their fury and rage and acid reflux drifting down their throats, building like a Santa Ana wind, soaking fire wild in a dry California season. God damn. Thank you, Anna. It was amazing. It just builds and builds and builds as we can even just see typographically. So how many of you, these have you uh, written so far? So far there are five. All right. And uh, are you going to write like, a th it seems like you probably have to write like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully for your sake you don't, but uh, I can see this going on forever, unfortunately. Yeah, I kind of felt that same thing, like with the first yeah. couple that I wrote. And then this one just kind of like just came out of, I don't know, all of, all of the rage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Arthur said something in the chat that I like. It's, there's some of these lines when you're ending on and, there's a particular kind of power that you, you have with these, uh, these sort of moments when you end on this word. And uh, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but uh, it's probably because like. I don't, know, I don't know either, Jason. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure them out. 
<laughs> I feel like it's because like there's always something coming. There's always something else to add on. Yeah. Because they really yeah. connect, connect the two lines so that the building becomes sort of innate in the poem as it yeah. ends at the end. Yeah. Mm. All right. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Arthur. Um, thank you, Anna. That was amazing. You're welcome. You're welcome. Our next poet, Jerry Wagner. We're uh, happy to have you back. I don't think you've been uh, here for the virtual yops yet, uh, but you're uh, always there in person. And uh, how are you doing? Here, can you hear me now? Yes. Ah, I'm doing fine, thank you. All right, good to hear your voice again. Yeah, thank you, thank you. All right. Oh, my goodness, I'm glad you put, put this here this way. Ah. Uh, okay, wedding wine. He watches the tiny airplane blink across the canal's silent surface. A toddler's noisy toy melds gull cries into the reedy voices of fish that feed on rising rancor. The musk of sleep's disquiet clings to his daily indolence. Easter morning, he pictured Mary taking Jesus by the green ear to tell the world in her pissed mom voice, stop being such a prig for Christ's sake, it's a wedding. Then guests drank to excess, danced to sweat, sang shattered glass, stumbled home to fuck. Now, stalled in pestilence, lush crows pass overhead at altitude, self-righteous and prideful. Their songs mock his solitude. City dogs bark abruptly, tilt their heads to ask why he pauses beside tidal water to caress night's edge. Afternoons, he sits sequestered, listless, on a park bench, weeping in vain for what he wishes were true. Wishing he did not cover, covet, wishing he did not covet all the glittering prizes a wide-fingered egret spreads across dawn's mirror freely like wedding wine. Uh, great okay. laugh. <laughs> yeah, I was watching your face, Arthur, during this poem. Uh, I think Arthur really liked it, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a compliment. Because <laughs> Arthur's a pretty formidable poet himself. So. <laughs> he is a formidable poet. Uh, I enjoyed it too. I didn't mean to say, I didn't mean to imply that I didn't enjoy it. Only <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, so Hang Shattered Glass is pretty damn good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. We oh, are moving. Turn. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I said it's Bonnie's turn. It is Bonnie's turn. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Our next poet is the one and only Bonnie Belay. How are you, Bonnie? This is one of everything I've written since um, COVID has been about the virus. And this is another one. Uh, life map. Left, I'm in the park, entering on 9th, walking around the statue of Lafayette down the path crossing the inner road, past empty ball fields that tumbled with kids last fall, 
to wind up overlooking the long meadow under a stand of mature oaks, their leaves expanding into summer, clouds skittering across the sky. I lie flat on solid ground, wearing a homemade paper mask with shark teeth. Right from my front door goes downhill to the supermarket, vegetables in neat rows, cases of eggs, shelves upon shelves of dried American cereals, countless pots of yogurt, then the pharmacy with enough cosmetics for every woman in Brooklyn and save on fifth, the discount store. My life condensed into five, bro- five blocks on, in Brooklyn. Okay, thank you. Wow, that re- the last couple of lines really puts in perspective. How are you uh, feeling now, Bonnie? As good as can be expected. I think that's what everyone says. <laughs> that's <laughs> where we are. Yeah. Uh, I love that you're continuing to write these poems. I mean, you were already embarked on this uh, sort of dailiness project even before the pandemic started, but now I feel yes. like it's it's like it's got extra it's, edge it's- now and motivation. Uh, I got one of those masks, the homemade paper mask with Did shark teeth. I haven't been able to do it yet. <laughs> but, Is that uh, because the instructions are bad? Or you have It's not that they're bad. It's just that I have I'm just bad at paying attention or <laughs> I'm bad at following instructions. Maybe your wife could do it. She's more visual. Yeah, yeah she would probably do a good job with it. If anyone needs a homemade paper mask uh, with shark teeth, uh, just email Bonnie or message her in the chat. I'm sure she'd be happy to help you out. Sure, I would. No problem. <laughs> um, okay, thank you, Bonnie. Okay. Our next poet, I'm very excited about this poet, uh, former staff member of Brooklyn Poets. Uh, I thought uh, they'd left... Brooklyn behind, but apparently they're still here, <laughs> unbeknownst to me. Uh, our next poem is The Suburbia, also known as Jonathan Clarence. How are you, The Suburbia? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm playing here with my dog. Can we see your dog? Oh, there, I can see him on the video. <laughs> this is Queen. Oh my goodness, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> We've been sitting here listening, writing. All right. Well, go for it. I'm excited to hear this. Um, let me pull it up on my phone. It'll be better for my eyes. Uh, okay. It's called Being Black on Stage. And this actually started as like a little caption I wrote. And then a friend reminded me that it sounded like poetry. <laughs> so I just kind of continued to roll with it and it blossomed into something that um, kind of like a truth that I needed to, to hear out loud. So being black on the stage. I am changing. I hope you are changing too. I'm channeling. I hope you are channeling too. The spiritual warfare can no longer be ignored. I've been mourning a loss. I've been mourning a past life. I've been neglecting a path or some sort of five second ago's who is who among so-and-so that actually truly matters within my love for all things. And within my love for all things, it's black. Black clothes, black candy, black jokes, black folks know, black culture, black love, black hope. My father raised me saying, you are fucking black, nigga. Punch, slap, boom. You better be ready, nigga. Boom. He'd say it hard. 
he'd say it like he felt like I never know what he was talking about. He'd say it all in his actions. He'd say it in his actions like I'd forget the look of him thinking, but if I serve my child in fear, I know he'll remember my scares about being Black, about what it's like to be living and breathing, being Black, being Black. So put me on the scene, put me in the screen, put me on the page, give us that satisfaction. We have all of cyberspace or self-space to breathe it out how we want to. Put us on the stage. Give me that sidewalk. Give me that billboard. Give that justice. Sweet, sweet justice. Justice that mama's mama's mama prayed. Give me that stage. I need you to give me that space. I want you to understand there are stories that exist that you have not been told. All about this game, this race game, race game, race. Put us on the stage. Stop trying to stop us getting on the stage I and thriving. I'm changing. I am channeling. And I hope you can understand someday that I loved so hard. I'm sorry I had to leave you today, right now, for both of our sakes. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. That was amazing. It's great to hear your voice again, just just for that, and then to hear your work. Same. Same. Some of you regular yoppers may remember uh, Jonathan setting the mic on fire. He was also a former Poem of the Year uh, finalist. What year was that? Was that two years ago? I think so. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Well, uh, don't be a stranger. <laughs> I hope you continue to come back and read your poems for us because uh, we miss them. Me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for that. You're Our next poet is another poem of the, former poem of the year, or sorry, poem of the month winner. How are you, Judy Schneier? Sorry, I was muted. Hi. I'm good, Jason. Thank you. All right. So you can be happy because there's a shtetl in this poem. <laughs> <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Um, okay. Green Dreams Revisited. I see those statements from Ameritrade, Fidelity, and Vanguard funds that lie in piles on my old desk along with stamps and paper clips, phone chargers, pens, and dust. Open them. Figure minimum distributions. Do taxes without Sam Schechter. My money could so easily slip through my hands. I didn't expect the unexpected. A great depression. My parents survived the first. I need to survive the second. Zadie pushed his heavy cart. Laundry pile shook. Ma rode on top. My relatives, their shtetl, World War II. I should have learned from them to be a smart and frugal, pessimistic Jew. Instead, I dream green dreams in my suburban youth. Economy squeezed, shrinks, fees shrink. What now? My skills, ephemeral to put it mildly, near 60, bad with computers, hates long hours, 
Hire me. That's funny. A good joke. Future once hopeful grows big holes. Edges crumble. Chunks break off. Okay, thank you, Judy. So how is work these days? Not bad, actually. It's just coming. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten better, hopefully. Yeah, it's okay. I'm holding yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, well, good use of shtetl. <laughs> that's <laughs> always my aim. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for our next open mic, all of the poets are going to find a way to use shtetl. In their poem. Maybe that should be a challenge to all of you. <laughs> find a way to use shtetl, uh, no matter what you're writing about. <laughs> Um, I should do that myself. I've never used the word shtetl in my poems, but, uh, but uh, now I'm realizing I need to. Uh, our next poet, no stranger to the word shtetl, <laughs> are you Arthur Russell? Now you have company in the, in the, uh, in the uh, company of lawyers, now that Tawanga has passed, has become an attorney. Congratulations, Tawanga. <laughs> Um, so I'm with Kendall on this, you know, I guess, I guess, uh, I've been writing a lot, but, uh, I don't think the stuff that's about what's going on now is ready. So, um, I wrote, I brought this instead to read. I hope you like it. It's called surplus drawers. Finding a spare pair of underwear inside your underwear when you go pee explains the lump rubbing against your thigh throughout the morning subway ride to work you thought of as a comment on your weight, specifically the pizza that you ate the night before, arugula and cheese, suggesting you get back to Pilates. But now you know, it must have been the pair you left inside your jeans when you got home and pulled back on this morning in a rush, the bedroom dark, your lover still asleep, your surplus drawers, a souvenir of love. Okay. I don't know whether to applaud or feel uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, sounds like things are going well in your personal life. Um, no, that's not my life. <laughs> uh, this seems to be like a quasi sonnet. Is that what you were going for? Um, it's, well, you know, I like, I like blank verse and I like sonnets. This one comes in around 13 lines, but yeah. Um, but I yeah. Like cheese and Pilates. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a good organizing principle, you know, to yeah. work around. I think I had a few last year that were 15 lines. Yeah. You know, they, and you had said at the time that they want to be 14. You know, they're fighting, <laughs> they're fighting to get shorter or longer to fill that space. And I, I like having that frame a lot. Yeah. Well, you should write a whole sonnet sequence where every sonnet refuses to be 14 lines. That could be pretty oh, you know, interesting. We had a reading last week in, uh, in, at the Red Wheelbarrow where Gregory, um, <clears throat> Gregory Crosby came and he had written in Poetry Month 30 sonnets in 30 days that were in the form of a crown about the pandemic. And it was an astonishing experience. Wow. Great. All right. I'm going to have to ask him to send me this. Okay. Thank you, Arthur Russell, for your surplus chores. Um, our next poet, very excited. 
to hear from uh, one of our newly minted Brooklyn Poets Fellows. Me taking a workshop this summer. How are you, Dante Clark? Hey, Jason. I'm good. How you doing? I'm, uh, you know, I'm all hanging in there. So, yeah, I hope everybody in here is doing okay. Um, thanks for having me. And uh, if everybody isn't doing okay, then that's all right, too. I'm just happy that y'all are all here and we're all in this together. So uh, here's my poem. It's called Broken Pantoon for a poem called Bang. In my hood, every summer, we ask a valid question. Was that a firework or a gunshot? Every summer, in my hood, a valid question we ask. Was that a gunshot or a firework? We ask a valid question in my hood. Every summer, every summer, every summer, Every summer, we ask a valid question around Independence Day, around America's birthday. We ask, was that the blast at the end of a cherry bomb's fuse or the bullet screaming from a pistol's chamber? Every summer, in my country, in my hood, we ask, what was that noise in my country? A valid question we ask every summer, every autumn, every winter, every spring. We ask, what was that noise around America? A valid question we ask, was that a nine millimeter, a 38 special, a 44 magnum, a rifle, a shotgun, a semi-auto in my country? Every season, every season, Every season, every season, we ask, was it the gun that killed the victim or the illness that killed the lone wolf's mind? We ask, if wolves be lone, then how are they everywhere? We ask a valid question. What was that noise in the classroom, the nightclub, the concert, the office, the day camp, the food court, the festival, the train car, the cafe, the busy street, the restaurant, the campus, the church, the mosque, in my hood, in my country? We ask, does this happen around the world or just in my country? Every day, every day, every day, we ask a valid question. Thank you. Damn. I love that poem. Uh, thank you for reading that tonight. Uh, I, along with some of my staff members, were able to read this when we read our fellowship applications. And uh, I remember writing a pantoum in college, Dante. And it was uh, a, a kind of a slave to the rules. And uh, when I read your poem, I just thought it was, uh, if not the most original, one of the most original uh, uses of this form. So, uh, uh, congratulations on doing that, uh, just completely exploding this form and making it your own. Is this Thank the you. first pantoum you wrote, or like, did you have to write several before you wrote this one? This is the first pantoum I wrote. Um, <laughs> How dare you? To keep, it, to keep it all the way real with you, like, I wasn't even calling it a pantoum. Like, I knew that it had some characteristics of the pantoum for a while, but I would read this at slams, and I would get off the stage, and poets would always come up to me like, yo, that pantoum? 
<laughs> and I was just like, you know what, shit, yeah, you know, I might as well go ahead and acquiesce to the fact that this is sort of operating like a fan too. Yeah. That's yeah. a funny question for people to ask you after. <laughs> after no, yeah, they, were, they were like very matter of fact about it. They yeah, were just like, that pantoon that you wrote, that was crazy. And I was just like, thanks. I really appreciate it. I didn't really mean to do that, but yeah. Thank you. It's also just like, just like shtetl. Pantoon is one of my favorite words just Listen, to hear people I'm say. In all of my poems. <laughs> you need to write a shtetl pantoon next time. After the shtetl, thank you, Judy. It's all been popping after this. <laughs> uh okay thank you Appreciate so much you, for that poem yeah uh okay our next poet no stranger many of you who've been joining us for the op uh former broken poets fellow and winner of poem of the month last month how are you robin with all these great poem after poems i'm doing pretty well jason yeah doing better right i am too yeah. all right go for it okay night's dawn after James Wright. Near the top of a hill from which the sky appears to sit on the horizon, I watch evening dissolve late afternoon over the ocean at its slow pace. The clouds are sparse, their magenta deepening as they surrender pure gold on the bellies to what remains of a reddening sun. I'm here for the flash, that wink as the sun dips into the calm illusion of proximity below the horizon, half emerald green, half white gold sweet spot, sandwiched between day and night. It's the same each rotation of earth, certain as night following day to be, no iteration like another. I squander a wish to stretch this moment indefinitely without dilution. A little below my line of vision, three pelicans are calling it a day trajectory parallel to the water, clearing mere inches on wings that appear to feel no draft. All right, thank you. Beautiful as usual. God, you have such an amazing ear, Robin Romeo. Uh, I like that this is after James Wright, uh, one of my favorite poets, a blast from the past. I hope poets out there are still reading James Wright. Um, is James Wright one of your favorite poets? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I really uh, like the way he uses language, how everything is so simple and, and so profound. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like to get that skill. <laughs> yeah. All you youngins out there, <laughs> read James Wright. It used to be that all poets I knew read, read James Wright, but uh, these days uh, I, I worry that some of these, uh, he's not even that old of a poet. I mean, he was publishing in the post-World War II era, but go back. Go back more than 20 years and uh, read some poems from the 20th century. Um, sorry about this. Uh, Bandito's poem got snuck on to the end of Robin's page, but uh, we're going to hear from uh, one of our reigning co-winners of the Yacht Poem of the Year from last year, uh, Kyle Brosnahan, who goes by Bandito. How are you, Bandito? I'm doing well. Can you hear me? Yes. Sweet. All right. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Look, even the clouds are tearing themselves apart. I suppose there's a last time for everything. Systems tumbling, institutions crumbling. And this morning there were crows outside my window, calling. The word day is starting to lose all meaning. And the hours are piling up to build the year. 
the year of miserable thinking, the year of lost time, the year of missed chances, the year of black lives, the year of suffocation, the year of mass depression, the year that never ends, the year of distance, the year that bends, the plague year, the dark year, the pale year, the year of the dead. The first act of the century is coming to a close. What began with towers toppling fades to black in a cacophony of coughs. The year we did or didn't die. The year we loved or weren't loved. The year of extremes. The year of missing everybody. The year of extremely missing everybody. The year without justice. The year without peace. The year we said fuck the police. The year America decided once and for all to never decide what America is. The cruel year. The stupid year. The fucked year. The brutal year. The year of thin air. The year of dying alone. The year we lost. The year we found ourselves far from ourselves. The year we held ourselves. The year we could not breathe. The year we shed ourselves. The year of witness. The year of masks. The year without dancing. The year without laughs. For many people, America is just another word for hell. Freedom's another word for delusion. Checks another word for imbalances. The year we stopped giving a shit and started giving a fuck. I'm not disappointed. I'm angry. The year of being angry. The year an unstoppable force met an immovable police state. The year of unrest. There is a hole in the heart of this country. Can you blame us for blaming them? For biting the hand, feeding us poison? The year of poison. Homesick home. The year if you have to ask, you'll never know. The year is starting to gain all meaning. The year is sinking in. The fever dream year. The year of crows. The year of looking out windows. The year of the writhing past. The year of random futures. The year of fear. The year unemployed. The year that shrugged. The year of voids. The before and after year. The howling year. The year we took sides. No man's year. We were never happy. Then we got sadder. The year of the pit. The year of the ladder. Okay, thank you, Bandito. You summed it up pretty well. I couldn't help but notice you changed the third to last line and made it even sadder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At first it's, we were happy, got changed to we were never happy. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say that's an accurate revision <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember a time when I was happy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you for that. It's epic. You captured it very well. I think all of the, uh, uh, another word I like, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing this correctly. Turgiversations. Do you know that word all of you? <laughs> I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. The back and forth, uh, just the mind numbing, overwhelming, just hard to keep up with back and forth. Uh, but I think in, I think in retrospect, I feel like it's weird now we're in the present. I feel like we can already kind of see it in retrospect. I feel like all of these back and forth changes are ultimately going to be for the good. Um, discomfort is good for us. I think, uh, it's probably the only way that we're going to heal eventually. Um, okay. Enough, <laughs> enough ad lib preaching. Thank you, bandito. Uh, we have time for two more poets on our wait list. And uh, I'm happy to say that uh, they are both former Quinnipiac University students of mine. 
this first poet is uh, a Yawk debuter, uh, an exceptional poet, uh, earned an A-plus in my class. I'm not sure I officially gave you an A-plus, but uh, in spirit, I gave you an A-plus. Shayla Zorn, how are you, Shayla? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can. It's good to hear your voice and see your face again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, surprise, my hair is a different color. Yeah, now. you've dyed your hair again. <laughs> Shayla uh, has many yeah. great poems about her hair, but uh, I see that uh, you've not only dyed it again, you've probably written more poems about it, hopefully. Yep. <laughs> Surprisingly, not this one, but... All right, go for it. Thanks. Uh, this is called Pyrite. I paint my room with crushed rose petals and liquid gold from the rivers of El Dorado so that I may be encased in a gentle beauty I could never call my own. Let the fiery sun rise from my windowsill, irradiating the golden effulgence of my walls. At dusk, the sun burns on the west horizon, a monstrously sweet candy apple that drips molten stars onto Earth's archipelagos. The moon crawls across the eastern skyline on its cracked hands and split knees, hunting for a moment of happiness that I know it will never seize. Just like my heart screaming against the beautiful walls of my room below, I tried so hard to pretend I loved myself, but even the rose petals and gold were alone. Okay. Wow, it's so nice to hear your work again. <laughs> uh, I assume you wrote this since you graduated? Yes. <laughs> what is it like being a poet out in the quote-unquote real world? Um, well, what a real world you came to after you graduated. Real world sucks. I want to go back. Um, yeah. Well, do you, though? I mean, life in college sucks now. <laughs> you got out at a good time. But I'm going into social work, so it's yeah. not all that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're going into social work. We need people like you doing that work. <laughs> Uh, you'll be happy to know all my current Quinnipiac students are deeply unhappy <laughs> with the fact that <laughs> they can't be on campus right now. So uh, I do think you got out at a good time. <laughs> uh, thank you for this. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh. oh, I was just saying thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, come back. Join us again. Uh, where are you living these days, Shayla? I'm in Salem, Connecticut, so right. it's in the southeast armpit of the, of <laughs> the <ship> state. Connecticut's <laughs> a, fi a fine state. Not my favorite yep. state, <laughs> but a fine right. state. Uh, yeah, I'm sure not your favorite state either. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, a fellow Quinnipiac student, I'm not sure if you, uh, you two knew each other, but uh, Kyle Young, many of you uh, may remember from uh, his reading for the Broken Poets Reading Series, I think that was uh, either last year or the year before. He uh, is the author of this chapbook, How to Build a House, which he wrote in one of my workshops at Quinnipiac, uh, the first time that's happened, uh, and he published it a year later. So. Uh, uh, Kyle has been working on the front lines as a physician assistant in New York. Uh, I remember, I think it was about a month ago, I had this holy shit moment when I remembered that Kyle was, had started his job in New York City. And I was like, holy fuck, Kyle is actually working in New York City right now. And I hadn't reached out to him yet. But uh, happy to report that Kyle is healthy and uh, doing well. Uh, we just had 
beers in his, in his tiny Upper East Side apartment last week. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing all right, Jason. Um, these poems are great, though, and like it's been really nice to just kind of return to a, a, yeah. a community yeah. where yeah, where people are able to just like share their words and share their poems. Nice. I feel like your your pandemic hair is 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 on fire. Yeah, I can't actually see my own camera right now, so I'm just going to trust that it looks okay. So, All right, I'm going to anyway. shut up. Go for it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I wrote this poem after listening to a TED Talk about procrastination, since we've all been in our homes a lot. And so this is uh, this poem's really about, I think, kind of like compulsions I feel like a lot of us have, whether they're good compulsions, um, like wanting to go out and protest, but at least for a lot of us, and I know it's particularly me, uh, a lot of times bad compulsions, and like, destructive compulsion. So um, this poem's titled To Don't List. One, listen to the sirens expecting smoke to turn to songs. Two, watch my phone violently vibrate on the table until my mom finally decides to hang up or forego the voicemail again. Three, learn to hold a snake, a wasp, a scorpion. Four, sit at work thinking about my apartment crawling under the sun. Five, continue wondering if I locked the door this morning. Six, ask a food cart worker how they're able to use the bathroom. Seven, sit at work thinking about my impatient bed sheets and the impression of my body on the couch. Eight, count the days. Nine, count the seconds. 10, count the shadows. 11, hold my breath and forget what I'm counting to. 12, drink coffee until I can feel my heart beating into the back of my throat. 13, play playlists that remind me of when. 14, handcuff myself to the ceiling. 15, replace my bed with a garden. 16, replace my garden with a bed. 17, reach into the closet and put on the first thing my hand brushes. 18, a plastic bag. 19, dress myself in worries like a child trying on his grandmother's dust-covered heels. 20, make lists of things I'll never do. 21, check the news. 22, memorialize each time I interrupt someone who I thought was done talking. 23, forget to forgive. 24, open all the windows. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, and thank you for the work that you've been doing uh, in the hospitals. Uh, I love 22 here, I have to say, uh, as someone that I feel does, does this a lot. Memorialize each time I interrupt someone who I thought was done talking. I feel like I did that to you several times when we hung out last week. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, so has Morgan joined you in your apartment now? She's returned? No, she will be at the end of this week. Oh, so, okay. Um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be nice. Yeah, so she'll, she'll have to come home to all these compulsions and realize that our, our bed is now a garden. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a nice thing to say. Uh, you should say that to her when you open the door. Our bed is now a garden, babe. Uh, I don't know if babe is what you call it. <laughs> use whatever uh, term of affection you want to use. Um, okay, that is the end of our open mic uh, for tonight. Uh, if you were not able to read tonight, um, 
I encourage you to sign up right now because uh, if you've tried to sign up before, you should know by now how quickly the open mic lineup fills. Uh, we have more and more people joining us for these uh, virtual yops than we had before because now, of course, they are open to the entire world, not just the people in the New York City area. Um, if you wait to till tomorrow, there's a good chance the open mic lineup will already be full. Uh, go to brooklynpost.org, click on events, click on yop, uh, sign up. Our uh, uh, brilliant and indefatigable web manager, Emily Blair, who has been chatting on our group chat tonight has already set up the Yop signup page for our July Yop, which will be on July 13th, I believe it is. Is that correct, Steph? As I look at my calendar, yes, Monday, July 13th. It's always the second Monday of every month. That Yop will be led by the brilliant Candace Williams, who is leading a workshop called Memento Mori for us uh, that starts, uh, I think, in July or in several weeks. You can check our website for that. Still space in that workshop. I think it's half full at this point. Uh, I wouldn't wait too long if you want to sign up for that because it will likely sell out. Um, But again, if you want to sign up for the open mic, uh, sign up right now. We, uh, I'm going to, before I make any other announcements to close, I'm just going to go back over this open mic lineup so that all of you can vote. Again, the number to vote, I'm going to put it in the chat right now, is 718-374-1953. All you have to do is give me the poet's name. That will work. Uh, we just heard from Kyle Young to don't list. Hopefully you can see the name. Shayla Zorn before that. Before that was Kyle Brosnahan, a.k.a. Bandito. Before that was Robin Romeo. Before Robin was Dante Clark. Before Dante was Arthur Russell with the surplus drawers. Before Arthur was Judy Schneier uh, with uh, the great shtetl usage. Before Judy was the Suburbia, a.k.a. Jonathan Clarence. Before that, Bonnie Belay. Before Bonnie, Gerald Wagoner. Uh, before that was Anna Lamontis Salisbury. Before Anna was Tamara Lee, Harvey Sauce, Jay Eason, uh, Lila Rudishauser. And before Lila was Todd Friedman and Laura Renee Tucker, Kendall Thomas. Sorry if I'm going fast, but we do need to get to the end of this open mic event. R. Bremner, we're almost there. Before R. Bremner was Rita A. Simmons. Before Rita was Tawanga Leslie. And before Tawanga Leslie was Shanice Hughes-Greenberg. That brings us all the way back to the beginning. I think there was 22 poets in total. Again, the number to vote for Poem of the Month, just text me at 718-374-1953. Uh, again, if you were on the open mic list tonight and read, if you don't want to be in the podcast, just email me and I can take you off. Um, those of you that are not subscribed already to that podcast, look for the Yopcast. You can find it in iTunes. You can find it on SoundCloud. We'd love it if you would subscribe. Rate us five star would be a bonus. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the next Yop. And for that, I'm going to go back to these websites. Uh, as I said, it's going to be led by Candace Williams and, um, We're going to be donating in July to a couple of orgs that are doing great work right now. One, many of you may know and have already donated to called National Bailout. Um, I think this is the 
website. Uh, you can see here uh, the good work that they are doing. They are a black-led and black-centered collective of abolitionist, abolitionist organizers, lawyers, and activists building a community-based movement to support our folks and end systems of pretrial detention and ultimately mass incarceration. I love reading mission statements like this, I have to say. It's like, uh, it's almost like a mantra to me. We are people who have been impacted by cages, either by being in themselves, e either by being in them ourselves or witnessing our families and loved ones be encaged. We are queer, trans, young, elder, and immigrant. Amen to the work that they're doing. Uh, we have already donated to them, but uh, if you join us for the YOP in July, your $5 payment will go towards our donations to them. We are also going to be donating to uh, a nonprofit of Candace Williams's choice, the Okra Project, uh, also doing great work. Another amazing <laughs> mission statement. Uh, I love the work that this, that this group does. Um, let me see if I can read it for you. Uh, not this part in particular, but this part with the mission statement, the Okra Project is a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by black, black trans people by bringing home cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources to black trans people wherever we can reach them. Uh, and more specifically, I love this, how does it work? It's actually very simple based on individual donations the Okra Project plays pays black trans chefs to go into the homes of black trans people to cook them a healthy and home cooked meal at absolutely no cost to our black TGNC siblings. Uh, so uh, you can see the breakdown of the donations here. Uh, you can donate to them right now if the spirit moves you, but uh, if you wanna wait, you can register for the YOP and your money will go towards helping them with their cause. It is great work that they are doing. Uh, I wanna, take a moment to thank uh, the several yoppers we had this month who uh, wrote to me and requested that they uh, that we give up their spot to a black poet or another poet of color. I appreciate that gesture. We had several poets do that and uh, I can't tell you how much that means to me as well as to the poets who ended up reading tonight in your place. Uh, that's the kind of unseen work we need to be doing in our communities. Uh, you know, if you're out there protesting, donating, uh, and posting on social media active in that forum. That's all necessary work too, but I hope that uh, you do not think that only the work that can be seen or demonstrated or captured on social media is the important work. Um, you need to be doing that. You need to be also be doing all the little unseen work that doesn't get noticed uh, by anyone. It might not even be noticed by yourself. Um, I implore all of you to take care of each other to try to do the little things that make a difference, um, even if it's just emailing someone or reaching out. Um, uh, don't do anything, try not to do anything stupid. <laughs> I say that as much to myself, in fact, prob probably primarily to myself uh, as, as to all of you. Uh, you know, uh, if you're wondering if what you're gonna say is the wrong thing, uh, there's probably a good chance it is the wrong thing. <laughs> Uh, and uh, just try to see if you can uh, do the work in, in other ways that uh, might not uh, betray a, a certain unfeelingness or a lack of thought about matters that are incredibly sensitive to uh, people that have been abused by a uh, abusive system for, for many years, for centuries, in fact. Um, okay, uh, 
I'm going to try, try to stop my preaching there. If I keep going, I'm just going to keep going forever. Thanks to all of you for joining us. It means a lot to us. Uh, it's, it's difficult, as I said at the beginning of the event, even to, to do this event. I want to thank my staff in particular uh, for the good work that you were doing. Uh, it's, been, it's been tough uh, for all of us even to just continue to do the work that we're doing to like promote workshops and things like that while all this is going on. Uh, I know it's hard for all of you. Uh, we know that you could be doing other things right now that may arguably even be uh, more useful and meaningful to, to the people in the world than and being here on the open mic tonight. But we appreciate you joining us, especially those of you that read your poems tonight uh, that were amazing. And uh, we hope that you will join us in July. And we hope that come July 13th, the world is looking like a much brighter place. Okay, that is all. Thank you and good night. There you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yacht Open Mic for June 8th, 2020. Thanks to BKP Professor Emily Hunt for leading an amazing workshop and kicking off her open mic. Emily is currently leading a six-week version of the workshop she gave a preview of during our uh, workshop portion of the YAWP called Influence in Both Directions. If you want to find out more about that workshop and others, go to brooklynpoets.org. Congrats to newly minted Brooklyn Poets fellow Dante Clark for winning our Yacht Poem of the Month for June for his amazing poem called Broken Pantoom for a poem called Bang. Uh, arguably the best and most innovative pantoom I have ever read or heard. Dante has earned free admission to a future Yacht and a Brooklyn Poets tote bag once we print them and a spot in our 2020 Poem of the Year Smackdown which will come your way in December. Our next yop comes your way on the second Monday of July. That is July 13th. It will be led by longtime BK prof and former Brooklyn Poets fellow Candace Williams. Candace will be giving a little preview of the upcoming workshop she is teaching called Memento Mori, which uh, just sold out today. Uh, but if you want to find out what's going on in the workshop, go to brooklynpoets.org. If you sign up for the July 13th YOP, sorry, July 13th YOP, you'll be asked to make a $5 donation, and all donations from the July YOP will go to our donation pool that we will be contributing to a couple of uh, nonprofits doing amazing work in support of Black Lives. One national bailout, a black-led, black-centered collective of abolitionist organizers, lawyers, and activists building a community-based movement to end systems of pretrial detention and ultimately mass incarceration. And the Okra Project, which was the nonprofit that Candace picked, a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by black trans people by bringing home-cooked, healthy, culturally specific meals and other resources to black trans people wherever they can reach them. So uh, I'm very excited to be able to contribute to these two organizations' causes. They are certainly important. We all know what the stakes are right now. We hope that you are doing everything you can to
to uh, dismantle the system, and the system really needs dismantling, and I don't need to tell you that. Uh, thank you for listening. Sorry for the extremely long opening remarks. Uh, I have no idea what got into me in June, but uh, those remarks were way too long as I listened to them back <laughs> in this recording. Uh, I promise in July I will keep them much shorter. Uh, we hope that you can join us for the July Yop virtually. Still plenty of space, but uh, once we announce this, it is sure to sell out soon, so don't wait too long. Uh, we hope you are healthy and safe and that your loved ones are as well and that you are uh, managing the stress coming your way. There's a lot of stress these days, but it seems like we're finally getting some stuff done, at least tilting the scales slightly, at least, uh, in the good people's favor, and hopefully that will continue. Uh, Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next month. Take care.